After over 23 years in the funeral industry, she knows what makes a difference at the end of life. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Marguerite O'Connor. Ms. O'Connor is a funeral director, a funeral celebrant, a nationally recognized expert on grief and bereavement, and the author of Grief Struck, When a Death Changes Your Life. Marguerite, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you. It's good to be here. What led you to become a funeral director? Great question. My mother said it was just fate. I was working as a dental hygienist for a periodontist, and one of my patients mentioned funeral service. This just sparked my curiosity. My next patient happened to cancel. I called the local mortuary school that he talked about. The owner answered and gave me a full court press to come in and see the school. I subsequently enrolled and graduated with honors, and now I teach at that school in addition to working at a funeral home. Sounds like it was meant to be. I think so. How long have you been a funeral director? 24 years. Has the profession changed Very much so. When I started in mortuary school, it was 10% female. It is now 51% female. And we also see a lot more corporate ownership of funeral homes, although there are still many family-owned and independent funeral homes. Another change is that more people are prearranging their funerals, more are choosing cremation, and I would say more are having a celebration of life service. Describe how your work has changed over the years. I am a thyroid cancer survivor, so with my doctor's recommendation, I chose to move away from the prep room and the embalming chemicals, and now I focus on helping people organize their end-of-life issues by prearranging funerals. And tell us more about being a funeral celebrant. A funeral celebrant is, well, in my case, I am certified as a celebrant, And we were responding to a gap. With all due respect to clergy, we were encountering many families who had had a disconnect from a church, or they would tell us that they wanted a spiritual, not a religious service. So a funeral celebrant works with the family to take information either directly with the person who is dying or after the death has occurred, meeting with the family and friends to coordinate, to customize, write, deliver the eulogy, and also to facilitate other friends and family members who want to speak in tribute. How important is some kind of ceremony when a loved one has died? Well, I think it's very important because I see the value on a daily basis. And Dr. Alan Wolfelt has said that if we do not engage in healthy rituals, we will continue to see more unhealthy rituals. And I I believe that. And is it true that people who plan and prepare have a better bereavement process? Generally speaking, that is true. It seems that the people who have planned in advance have less stress. People ask me, how can I keep a handle on the cost of funeral expenses? So it's less expensive generally if you think about what you want in advance. And once again, if a person is present for their own funeral arrangements, It can be what you want. When people comment that your work is sad and depressing, how do you respond? Well, I would acknowledge that it is sad, but it is also inspirational. I see a lot of love stories. Do you have one in particular? 
Well, I think of my own mother when she was dying in 2001. She had asked me one day to buy her a thank you card because she wanted to write a personal note to her physician to thank him for all of his help. And she recognized that he had done everything he could. And so my mother was engaged in the process of giving gratitude prior to her death. And she had also prearranged her funeral with me probably about 10 years before the death occurred. So even though I am a funeral director and I work in the business, it is very important to have those sacred moments to communicate, to tell people that we love them and that we appreciate them. Marguerite, do you remember what that physician did specifically that made such a difference to your mom? Again, that's a great question. This physician was our neighbor and our friend, and I babysat for his children. So my point to the physician specifically is that I recognize that there's a human side to what you do and there's a professional side to what you do, and the emotions can really become tangled. And the physician treated my mother respectfully. He was honest about the fact that there was nothing more that they could do. And I think that my mother really appreciated that honesty. And I saw him with tears in his eyes, and I think it was difficult for him to let go as well. Marguerite, some funeral directors have gotten a bad rap for overcharging people for funeral services who have just lost a loved one, who are in shock and not thinking clearly. How do you respond? Well, most funeral directors do a great job under difficult circumstances, and you will not hear about them on the news this evening. And I think that for those who do exhibit ethical behavior violations or legal violations, there are consequences that will be enforced. And I think that the consumer should, again, choose their funeral director and choose their funeral home before the need arises so that they feel more empowered to find someone who is respectful of them and their wishes and is a good fit for the services that they need. So that's the benefit to prearrangement. That's one of many benefits. There are financial benefits as well. Some people are outliving their assets and going on public assistance. And where I work, there are advantages for people, again, to think about this in advance. And I think, again, the emotional benefits are also uh, very important. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Funeral Director Marguerite O'Connor. Marguerite, tell us, how are funeral customs changing? Well, we talked about this briefly in that I am seeing more people choosing cremation, and for some, they're choosing a direct cremation, or they can also still have a full ritual followed by cremation. When my father died in the 1950s, my family had a three-day visitation. We saw many of the customs go down to a one-day visitation, and now we see a lot of services where the visitation, if that is the faith custom, the visitation and funeral are happening on the same day, or some people are choosing a private service altogether, and friends and family don't find out about it until after everything has already taken place. What feedback do you receive from people regarding the different services? For example, if you do a service where you're a funeral celebrant. The feedback is that when people come to a service that is very moving, they reflect on the fact that they either wish they had spent more time with the person 
or if they're coming to support a friend or family member and they did not know the deceased, they sometimes leave thinking, wow, I really wish I knew that person. And that, to me, is a good service. And generally speaking, when the family gives us feedback and says, you really nailed it, meaning that you really captured the essence of my loved one's life in a short period of time, that's great feedback for us. How can listeners contact you if they're interested in this type of service? My website is www.margariteoconnor.com. That's M-A-R-G-U-E-R-I-T-E-O-C-O-N-N-O-R. Marguerite, how important is it for people to organize their end-of-life wishes in writing? Oh, it's very important because, once again, it's less stressful. It's what you want. And it's a, really a gift that you give to your family members because I've seen the wrenching discussions where people agonize over what would the person have wanted and sometimes there's family feud because one person thinks one thing and another thinks another. So you can really cut to the chase by having the conversation and putting it in writing and not just expecting people to remember on perhaps the most difficult day of their life what you said or did not say. What can physicians do to promote excellent end-of-life care in this regard? Well, I think physicians are doing a great job, but I would encourage them to continue to have honest conversation. In some cases, I think that they really might refer to hospice sooner. I know that sometimes there's a hesitance to do that because you don't want the patient or the family to give up hope. And I think, again, just focusing on the family. In, in my world, it's very important for the physician to sign the death certificate in a timely fashion so that we can all, as related professionals, continue to focus on the best service for the family. Are TV shows like Six Feet Under an accurate portrayal of what funeral directors do? That is a great show. There is an element of truth and certainly a lot of entertainment so I tell my mortuary students that, in my opinion, this show is not for the newly bereaved, but it is a great show because it gets people, again, having the discussion. And I found it interesting to see Alan Ball interviewed, and he was, I believe, the creative director of that particular program, and he told a, a wrenching story about how his sister was killed in a car crash when they were both young, and he was in the car and witness this. So sometimes it takes a while for grief to be processed, for us to do our grief work, and it can be displayed in, in different ways, but I just thought that was an interesting connection. Tell us about your book, Grief Struck, When a Death Changes Your Life. This is a book that I co-authored with Marianne Green, who is a counselor, and so we merged our combined knowledge and experience from our worlds of in her case, counseling, and in my world of funeral service, I use this book as a textbook in the mortuary school, but it is really designed for the bereaved and those who care about them. And the book has a lot of good information, some testimonials from people who have had various losses. We also have some quotes and some opportunities for journaling because we recognize that grief is such a unique individual experience. What's your best advice when we attend a wake or a funeral? What's the best thing to say? Bereaved people have taught me that they really appreciate someone honoring their loss just by saying, I am sorry for your loss. 
being authentically you. If you feel like I don't know what to say or do or how I can help you, say that. Those are the things that are very helpful. Also, just being a good listener and even just showing up, being a caring presence and mentioning the name of the person who died or sharing stories, these are things that are very helpful to the bereaved. What is your take-home message? My take-home message for the doctors is that we are all sort of in this together. There are many professionals who are trained and educated to support you and your patients and your patients' families. Let them help. And my focus for all of us is to stay focused on serving the family with compassion. Marguerite, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD library. Thank you for listening. 